0: Hello, listeners. Welcome to this podcast space. I'm your host, Fox the Jackal. Welcome to the Audio Parlor. Episode 1 This episode is a discussion of select entries from the TV show Grey's Anatomy, seasons 3 and 4. The parlor has no content warning to issue at this time. <laughs> Not to be straight-phobic, but <laughs> could you imagine waking up every morning and being like, mmm, "Gray's Anatomy is the best! Season 3, episode 25, Didn't We Almost Have It All? A season finale to Grey's Anatomy. There are two worlds depicted here of interest to us. Subtle, shifting about, but a clear delineation between them. At the center of one world, we have Christina Yang. Hard worker, hard ass, up and comer, type A, better than you, she knows it, life goals, we stand. She is getting married to Preston Burke. Calm, cool, secure, controlling, spiritual. Her teacher, her partner. It's been wrong. There's been trials, but there's a sexiness we're invested. Episode opens on the day of their wedding. It's great. It's a nightmare. It's the day of the wedding. He's scrubbing for surgeries. It's the day of the wedding. She's sent home. They're both surgeons, even before they're lovers. They are practitioners of the craft. She can't cut open a single patient on this the day of her wedding, and it's killing her. Preston Burke's surgeries go for hours at a time. He practices his vows in surgery. They're dramatic, stoic, maybe a little much to be putting on your bride without her foreknowledge. I do not stand here on my wedding day optimistic. Or full of hope. I am not optimistic. I am not hopeful. I am sure. I am steady. My heart, my heart beats for you. I promise you me. Preston, you are making every lady doctor in the room swoon on your wedding day. Maybe pull it back just a bit. Oh, hell, it's a brooding fantasy. We love it, too. He leaves surgery early for the chapel. Christina, all the while, is fitting for the wedding with... Oh, hey, it's... Diane Carroll from all those Dynasty clips on YouTube. She's Burke's mom, Mama Burke. And after choking Christina with a jewel-encrusted necklace, she asks about her eyebrows, and... Mama took my eyebrows. She took my eyebrows, and now I am a Burke. I mean, I watch drag queens beat their mugs on TV and I still think Christina Yang without eyebrows is creepy. So Christina's a bundle of nerves. So much so she half-bullies, half-begs her way to perform a surgery before the ceremony. She gets one cut, then off to the chapel. And the moment has arrived. The hall is beautiful, the parents are gleaming, the music is pumping us up for a wedding day, and Christina cracks. See, her vows were written on her arm, which she scrubbed clean for surgery. She has no vows. She, she has no vows. She has no vows! She is panicking. The bridesmaids are panicking. The guests are murmuring. Burke strides up the aisle to meet her. She's gasping, but it's okay. She's ready to perform. And he calls it off. Simple as that. He calls it off. She put on the dress. She agreed to the big ceremony. The audience at home is rooting for her, but he's made up his mind. For the both of them. She goes home to their apartment, and he is gone. Most of his stuff is still there. The really important stuff he took with him. She falls to the floor, crying inconsolably, free from him, free from the wedding dress she had to be cut out of to breathe. He's really gone. He left her there. And sure, it seemed sensible to an audience at the time, but looking back, in this text, this relationship wasn't unsalvageable. She did everything to meet him. He failed to meet her. And I know the paratextual reasons as to why the actor was dismissed. I remember the slur, the awards coverage, the doubling down. That only makes it worse because in his end, the show still had me swoon for him. For him. Shame. Oh, and in our other world of the episode, Meredith Grey is really mad at her boyfriend. Again! Yeah, Meredith might be Christina's best friend, and also the maid of honor to this wedding shindig, but, um, Have you ever seen a character develop main character-itis? Like, the world works differently for them, because they're the main character, and so much of the writing revolves around them. Right now, Meredith Grey has it bad. From the top! <music> Meredith holds an informal bridal shower. It's not much. It's fine. Christine isn't the type to want much for this. But Mare pulls the bride aside at the end of the shower and tells her she has to get married. It's so important. To Meredith. You marrying Burke? It's a sign. It's a sign that people like you and me can do this. Be healthy, be happy. You, marrying Burke, restores my faith in me. Oh, I get it. My wedding's about you. But it's a joke. (laughs) We laugh it off. And past this point, Meredith continues to be a selfish kind of maid of honor. On a day when Christina is absorbed, enveloped, lost in wedding accoutrements she does not want and never wanted to begin with, Meredith finds the time to play hot and cold mind games with her boyfriend. His name doesn't matter, I'll call him Mick Dreamy, the show calls him that. She is oblivious to the bride's missing eyebrows because she won't shut up about the Mick Dreamy Mick drama. She makes a slight, a weak, A purely performative attempt to get Christina into surgery, which Christina has to steamroll over to advocate for herself. Because Christina will not be denied. Wedding be damned. Life goals. Again, we stand. She rushes Christina out of her one-cut surgery. I mean, maybe if she'd noticed Christina on the bench and tried harder to support her when the day started, she might have gotten a second cut. I don't know, that's just me. McDreamy pulls Meredith aside. They have this dreadful, oblique conversation that means so little to the episode, and honestly not much more outside it. Like, just do it. Just end it. I can't. Sure you can. Here's how. You're the love of my life. I can't leave you, but you're constantly leaving me. Mmm, children! You're both terrible. Where is the adult in the room? Oh, right. That's Christina. Christina is always the adult in Meredith's room. And suddenly now, with a decision and an unavoidable responsibility in her hands, with her own needs and values on the line, Meredith decides now to be a dedicated friend and maid of honor and run out on this awful, awful display of McDreamy McDrama. That whole section of conversation in my notes had the phrase this bitch next to every mention of Meredith. Is that too harsh? It's probably too harsh. I'm sorry, everybody. So, the chapel. Christina's freakout. It's petty of me, but I notice Meredith doesn't know how to console Christina in a time like this. Like, Christina has to coach Meredith during her own anxiety attack to specifically say what she, Christina, would say to snap herself out of it. I'm pretty sure on paper it plays into these themes of Christina's lost identity in this wedding, but on the screen, it really speaks to how Christina is so much more of a personality than Meredith. No shade on the actors, none whatsoever. Bigger, deeper fans than I have highlighted the sheer skill and endurance it takes to depict these characters for 5, 10, 15 years. But right now, in the season 3 finale, it's main character Meredith, at this stage of the game, is just too bland and inoffensive and in herself to take on specific traits right now, even to help a friend. She is the center of this universe. She is foundational to a tone we are writing. Far too much hinges on her to allow any of that. Now, when the wedding's called off, Meredith has. honestly, this shining moment in my memory. It is art. It begets art. It is petty. It is perfect. With the bridesmaids in tow, Meredith swings open the chamber doors. She strides down the aisle, takes her stand before the altar. Standing there, in front of literally God and everybody, she proclaims... It's over. You can all go home. It's over. And she finishes with the audacity to side-eye McDreamy on the way. So over. Wait for me, listeners. Remember this moment. Cherish it. We will return to this moment. Season 4, Episode 2, Love Slash Addiction. Burke is gone, contracts have not renewed, he's off the show. Christina has created a small economy of wedding gifts, auctioning off blenders and waffle irons for insider scoops on novel surgeries. It's quirky, she's coping, or maybe not, it's content. And in walks Mama Burke. Now, I didn't make it clear before, I'll make it clear now. I didn't know it on first viewing all those years ago, but Diane Carroll... God Rest Her Soul, is a legend of prestige TV soap opera. Millennials, elders, of the gay variety especially, you may recognize her as Dominique Devreau, secret half-sister to the millionaire Blake Carrington, whose arcane family dramas comprised the meat of the Dynasty TV series in the 80s. Secret half-sister. Ridiculous, contrived, and utterly foreign concept to the Grey's Anatomy brand. I was not a contemporary to the Dynasty times, but an easy googling shows Diane Carroll pursued a role on the show aggressively in its fourth season with a single, simple goal in mind. I want to be the first black bitch on television. Camp. Art. Icon. Money. Just give her all the money. No, I don't need a screen test. She's already earned it. Give her everything she wants. I'm in. So this woman, this veteran of the genre, walks onto the gray screen for one last appearance. And she is here to see Christina. She won't leave until she sees Christina. Christina's not going out there. Not after everything that happened. Get rid of her. Somebody, go. Get rid of her! So Meredith goes to get rid of Mama Burke. And the art of the finale finally begets the great art. Listen. Mrs. Berg, what a surprise to see you here. Are you visiting someone? You're the maid of honor, Miss Gray. That's me. When you stood up in front of Preston's friends and loved ones and you said it's over, it's over, it's so over, were you trying to smash the hopes of the best man or were you just trying to be funny Uh... because making light of that situation would be inappropriate and to use that moment to send a message to your boyfriend well that's selfish so were you being inappropriate or were you being selfish (laughs) Oh, dear listeners, I wish, I so dearly wish, that this was the end of the podcast episode. I wish I could tell you that this moment, the murder of Meredith Gray in her own home, was a moment of final and triumphant victory. In my memory, it still is. I imagine Meredith wandering aimlessly off screen to shrivel into a corn cob and blow away on the midnight breeze. Some nights, on the lanai my landlords refuse to rescreen, I can hear her, tumbling in the distance, muttering, I'm not owned. Mama did not own me. But she did own you, Meredith. And when you report back to Christina, she will know that Mama is waiting for her next. And true, Meredith does sheepishly scoot herself off screen. The scene changes too quickly to make it stick, but she took a blow. For once. But Mama Burke, the episode does her no further favors. As in the Bible, three more fools come to visit Mama that day. A boy, O'Malley, alludes to cheating on his wife, and she offers a sympathetic ear and guidance. It's a whole thing. I don't like that plot. Doesn't matter to us. A bigger boy, McDreamy, blubbers wistfully and ambiguously in her general direction, and she offers, again, sympathy and guidance. And finally, Christina herself bites the bullet, and Mama Burke shows her regret at the loss of Christina's teacher. These moments, they do speak to this old-world, deeply convicted woman of grace and stature that Diane Carroll can so effortlessly embody, but enmeshed in all the other chaos that makes an episode of Grey's, they float in a time outside of time. There is no consequence here, only sentiment and sentimentality. They soften her character to telegraph her compassionate final act, for an actress who I'm certain could balance the edge with the sentiment. I don't know. I think I'd more appreciate the final gesture to Christina if I were still expecting some grand evisceration. Or maybe I just miss my blood in circuses. Eh, one of the two. So that's it. I don't have a climax for you. Again, my edge of glory was back with Meredith and the corncob. I've been spent for a good minute now. Oh, Meredith's fine, by the way. She makes a joke about s and later and keeps stringing McDreamy along. Funny how these things work. How the deprecations and judgments serve only to endear her to us. It's main characteritis. It's maybe character growth on a tectonic scale. Practically self-deprecation in the day-to-day. Metaphors. Oh well. So much for pathos. I hope you all enjoyed this little use of the audio parlor. Sometimes we go big. Sometimes we just spend some time with old friends. They're trash. And they're straight people trash. But they're your trash. Okay, let's be real. They're little my trash, too. I have every respect for it I can. Y'all do you? Oh, and if any of y'all Grey's Anatomy super fans find my email. I swear to God, I don't care about the ferry boat and the drowning and the Mother Grey dying. That was months of episodes beforehand. These shows move on. She can't hide forever. It will not do. In 10,000 words, I will expose. All right, thank you all for listening to the very first episode of The Audio Parlor. I'm Fox the Jackal, here to give a bit of a extemporaneous end of the episode. I want to take this time to say hi to you, whoever might be listening, and offer a little bit of thanks and acknowledgments here at the end. This first episode was all written, directed, edited by myself, Fox the Jackal, and I gotta say I had a lot of fun doing so. It's a really new experience. I previously was editor for a podcast called where you are you can search for it on spotify and apple podcasts where you are created by jimmy ellenberg and fox williams that's an excellent uh, podcast that we did there it is a human interest interview podcast that was focused on people in the Birmingham, Alabama area. We put out a full season last year, and sometime, hopefully within the month that I post this, we shall have returned for season two, so... Keep an eye out for that. Again, Where You Are, wonderful stuff. Additional voices were provided by Jimmy Ellenberg, a big thanks to him. He's the host of Where You Are. Expect more from him. In this age of the coronavirus, he's the voice I have on hand, so I think he did a really great job with what I asked him to do, so thanks very much for that, Jimmy. Uh, a, A bit of a mea culpa on that. I do acknowledge that we are two white guys playing a mix of races in this episode, at least in the voice acting. As the podcast develops, I might reach out for some more appropriate voice matching, but for the moment, he's what I have, and I think we did a good job. That opening quote, the one about straight phobia and Grey's Anatomy, that is from a TikTok meme. I traced it back to an account called at Jewels or or perhaps at in It might go back further than that, but that's the source i know a big shout out to nicole's Grey's anatomy her podcast was a lovely find it was a discussion-based podcast where she and a friend would talk about some topic or character from the series about uh, over the course of its run the podcast itself ended in 2019 but it's a total recommend it's really accessible each episode you can pretty much just jump into whatever topic you want to and they'll talk about it at different points in the series It just, it felt really nice to listen to such enthusiastic fan discussion over such a wide swath of continuity. It made me feel at home, and I was thankful for it. Nicole's Grey's Anatomy. Give it a listen. So, I want to hear from you, the fans, if... uh, Well, at least you, the listeners. I don't know if you're fans yet, but I want to hear back from people on this. I'm producing this mostly because I want to put some ideas out into the world and hear what you have to think about it in return. I've set up an email account so you can email me at Fox the Jackals Audio Parlor at gmail.com. That is a long name. I realize this. I'll type it out on on my website and whatever podcast director you may be using to listen. That's F O X T H E J A C K A L S Audio Parlor at gmail.com. Let me know what you thought of the episode. I'd love to hear back from you. Also, visit the website. It's not set up at the time of this recording, but it will be by posting. I'll type that out in wherever you're listening, and you can come visit there. I also have a personal Twitter, Fox the Jackal, or at FoxEast52. It's mostly retweets right now, but I've already started posting some updates about how the podcast work is going as I go along. So if you want to have a little more engagement that way, I mean, I'm sure that's the word engagement. If you want to follow along, by all means, follow along at FoxEast52 on Twitter. This is the first episode of a planned three-episode premiere, which should all be available to you as I upload this. Be sure to check out the other two. One of them talks about an old song from 2008, 303's Don't Trust Me. It's problematic. We know this. We want to go a little bit deeper. And the other one is going to talk about one of my favorite characters from the Legion of Superheroes comic book, Triplicate Girl. I know a lot of those words probably didn't mean anything to anyone, but Tune in. It's it's fun. I give the minimum amount of explanation you need to get in, and it's just a wild ride for some silly '60s comics. So hopefully, you'll want to check out one of those. As far as updates on this, expect about one to two episodes a month. I'd like to uh, to post every two weeks, but at a minimum, I'm going to be posting a new episode, at least one new episode, if not two, by the Monday on or after the 15th of a month. Again, thank you all so much for listening to this. I hope you had a good time. I know I did. Thanks. Bye. It's over. You can all go home. It's over. So over. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) I was trying to do the little thing she did. Sorry.